Or in the case of like a, a rock concert, it's impractical to have a rock concert in your, in your living room. Stacks Very impractical, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just racks and racks. Yeah. Halloween is rapidly approaching in this part of the world, so we're all festive and spookier, and we figured we'd talk about something totally unrelated, mm-hmm. dynamics in slam as it pertains to headphones. Slam. It's more of a perception thing, I guess. People use uh, the term kind of loosely at times. Which brings me to try to understand, why are people so afraid of ghosts? Like, they have no slam. It's very scary. As far as I know, they can't hurt slam. you. They so have many no, dynamics. They have no mass. <laughs> that one has mass, though. Mm-hmm. A little bit, a little yeah. bit, yeah. But the, in the movies, they just kind of float through you, right? Yeah, well, I guess it depends on the movie, yeah. though. Why the hell are you so afraid of these things? It's some, pretty scary. Some, some, you know, they can move stuff. Yeah? Yeah. 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 You know, you hear, like, doors opening. You know, oh, that's yeah. true. Lights chains rattling. Yeah, they drag yeah, chains. Yeah. How do yeah. they do that? I don't know. They're Magic. Ghost, they're ghostly chains. Yeah. Oh, could be, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same with audio. Mm. You got to wonder when you get, like, a headphone with amazing slam. It's like, like our, like our AB-1266 is noted for bass, right? How do you do that? People probably would like to know how you do that. And I'd say, well, sugar and spice and everything else. But there's a lot of things that are involved with this complicated topic of slam. Yeah, it's not just one thing that you need to do. Yeah. Well, it's everything. It's always everything. I know we talked about this in the past. But I think that actually encompasses a bit more than people think. Because if you actually make a headphone, and by that I mean you make all the things – you design the driver, the chassis, the shell, the ear pads, the headband, everything, right? Every component is designed and manufactured either by or exclusively for you. You have a lot of control. You could make pretty much anything. And then the question comes up, what do you make? Why do you use this driver over another? What are your priorities? Because like everything, there's pros and cons to various methodologies. There's always a limit somewhere, price, design, size, whatever. And, well, there's only one way it can be done that ends up with the final product, that ends up actually being what you deliver. We have an old video we did a while ago on, I think, on why the AB1266 was made the way it was. It was a while ago. We should probably rehash that, not in this video, but Mm -hmm. in a future video, it'd be a good thing to discuss because that was two generations ago and it's still the same rationale, but I think we talked about all the thousands or tens of thousands of the design design decisions that had to go into the final till we got to what was considered the final product and it was all really trade-offs and you know deciding which way to go and how that would improve the sound it was all about the sound and um but yeah i mean it's 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 a confusing topic right because it's like if you don't design speakers or speaker systems for a living or headphones you wouldn't know. All you know is the final result. You put it on your head and go, oh, yeah, it sounds like this or it sounds like that. Mm-hmm. But you have no idea why it sounds like this or that. In fact, some of the guys designing headphones don't even know why it sounds like this or that. So when you run into it sometimes, you know what I mean? So anyway, bottom line is that, you know, there's there, there's a lot of confusion there because I see, you see it a lot. Like in, if you look at um, anything, any market, you know, I know uh, in audio, for example, People tend to equate the wrong things with the co- the cause and effects are not proper. Right. You know. Very frequently. Yeah. yeah. Some of it is like 
ancient history, you know, what do you call it, old wives' tales mm. that's just been handed down over the generations, you know? And then other things well, are just complete, just, yeah, just wind speculation, up. Speculation, you know. Yeah, they guesses, need, yeah. pure guesses. Yep. Some guy came up with an answer and everyone just went with it, you know, and it wasn't the right answer. You see that a lot, actually. It is a bit of an issue. Because yeah. you'll see people over and over on forums. One person many years ago said, and they sounded like they knew what they were talking about, said this thing is done this way because of this, but they don't know. They just made it up. And people go, oh, that seems like it's possible. And then it more or less perpetuates as fact with enough time. And it might not be fact, might not be right at all. And over time, through enough of these things, people kind of generate a vision of how things are done, why they're done a certain way, what's possible. However, when you're actually making a product, when you're designing, say, a headphone, you literally can make anything. It's up to your imagination and your budget, how much money you're willing to invest. Because sometimes you know you need something that doesn't exist, and it's going to be very, very expensive to make it exist. And the question is, is there something commercially available that's good enough that you could get by with? And you see that a lot. You see people using readily available technologies. Everybody does it. It makes sense. It's a, you use screws that somebody else makes. Well, why reinvent the wheel? Because why would you make your own, right? But sometimes you need to. And that's the challenge, knowing when you should go past the commercially available solutions. And it is a bit of a trick. So you got to kind of sort of have a vision, have a goal in mind, figure out what you really need to push for, because otherwise you end up spending a billion dollars on something and you never end up shipping. So back to the topic, though. Yeah. How do you, what is base slam? Like, how do you get base slam? Now, first of all, there's no measurement for it that I'm aware of, because it's more of a perceptual thing, mm. right? You well, know? it's probably a combination of factors. I mean, right. there's no one measurement. It's not right. a number. There's, yeah, there's no slam figure. You can't throw a headphone on the test head in our other room here and go, here's the slam percentage. It would be right. pretty cool, though. Yeah, it doesn't work. Now, you may be able to look at the measurements and go, well, maybe, but I don't think so. Like, frequency response is not really going to tell you that. There, there are certain frequencies that do tend to lend themselves, like for impact. Mm -hmm. I know, like, bass impact. Like, if you play with EQ, it's probably the way you get these ideas that, F frequency response affects this stuff, right? You mess with EQ and decide, okay, if I boost this, does it sound, what does something sound better? Well, that boost or cut that you do with EQ is relative to the speaker you're listening to. That's a complicated thing. think about mm -hmm. that, because people, that's what people are misunderstanding. Right. It's only related to what you're listening to that speaker, or even the system. It depends on the amplifier, the amplification, how much power you have, how yep. good is the amp, how good, what's its damping factor, what's it plugged into, is it running at the right voltage, is it, uh, is what, what cables are connected to it in between the two? Is it a long length? Is it a short length? Is it a high resistance? What's the driver? There's all kinds of things that go into a system to decide how impactful it can be. So to say that, oh, I measured this speaker or headphone and it shows a 3 dB peak at whatever, 100 right. or 200 hertz, and so, oh, that's for better slam. Come on. <laughs> well, see, that's a rational way you know? to think about things. And I think people that look at things in a more simplistic manner, they're not actually considering every detail. That's, I think, how most people would come out. And it makes sense. And it's true to some extent. And that's typically the reality. Things are always true to some extent. But you're looking at more or less the correlation, not the causation, right? It's I saw a study thing or somebody posted online somewhere that somebody that could do 60 push-ups in 10 minutes or something like that is like 97% less likely to die from cardiovascular disease. <laughs> and the, the interesting thing is people took this in the comments. People were saying basically, like, oh, all I need to do is basically 
be able to do 60 push-ups and I'll not, I'm not going to die from cardiovascular well, dehydration. Well, you should work on that then. <laughs> right, but what they seem to fail to <laughs> understand is the push-ups have no bearing. Like, it's very right. possible, in fact, likely that the lifestyle, the, the conditions that led this person to be in a physical shape where they're allowed to do this is the things that have the impact on their likelihood, yeah, he didn't not get, the actual push-ups. Well, yeah, and, and, then, and then, you know, that, that guy who is now done with his push-ups went and ate a dozen chicken wings and yeah. sucked down a couple pitchers of beer. Mm. You know, over time, that's going to... It's complicated. You're going like to start you're still be dropping below 60 at some point, oh. 50, 40. <laughs> right, yeah. but that's what people sure. mean when they say correlation is not causation. Because you could say, True. well, when this happens, this is the outcome. But there's a lot of factors outside that you're not controlling for. So you could EQ something. You could push the bass up. You could put some mid-band frequency up. And it may, in fact, most likely will increase the slam perceived. Perceived. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what causes slam. Right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of factors outside that yeah. that you're not controlling for. You're yeah. just taking a driver and you're saying, well, let's pump this frequency up. Well, that's the thing. It boils down to the driver. It boils down to the driver design, the, t- the technology of the driver, how it's driven. You know, like we've talked about electrostatic drivers where they're, they're great at some things, but because the electrostatic force is so weak, that's moving this really, really low-mass diaphragm, right? You can only get so much slam out of it. How much are you going to get before you overload the driver, right? Before you're, you can't throw that much at it. It's just not, it's a, it's a system that just ain't, it's not designed for that. And same with the, you know, the opposite is the dynamic drivers. You got, you know, you've got a speaker with a cone, right? A wizard cone in the middle for better highs. Uh-huh. <laughs> not usually in headphones. <laughs> a coil of wire, right? You got all this mass. Right, it's it's got a, it's got its own you know, basket. You got all this mass, right? So now now okay, and you could so let's say you could throw a little bit of power at that and make it move with a little bit of slam. Well, it's hard to make something heavy slam, you know, because yeah. slam is not only about how good it starts, but how it stops too, right? I mean, kind of. It needs to be fast. People call it fast, right? The speed of a driver and it, it's relative to its mass and how it's driven and. The amplifier using and the voice coil technology, or how big or small it is, how many windings it is, how man. There's so many things to consider that would adjust slam. You know that it doesn't matter what the frequency. <laughs> you know, it's either one driver will slam better or worse than another driver in a system, in a cabinet, in an enclosure, in a speaker. In a well, that's the thing. I mean, it's, a, it's it is the whole system that matters. Because right. I mean, if you if you uh, if you have a headphone that has good slam. But you're running it off, you know, your phone, 50 milliwatts or whatever, you know. You'd be like, oh, it doesn't slam like I heard. It's like, well, you need to give it some power, you know. Yeah, right. (laughs) And there's a lot of tips and tricks that you can do to adjust that. And like we mentioned many times, when you're designing the system, if you design knowing you have uh, a desire to have a lot of slam in your finished product, there's a lot of things you do to help manipulate that. But all these things, they don't really work. It's not like a recipe per se. It's really... A everything's a compromise to arrive at the desired goal. So you're trying to figure out what factors do you care about more. And almost overwhelmingly, the thing that's hardest to do is to do everything at the same time. Um, now, most people try to make everything better, but usually you're sacrificing one for another to some extent. And the goal is to try to find the most good with the least bad. And, well, some people care more about things than others, so you end up with headphones that sound different in different frequency ranges, different spectrums, because they didn't care, like one company did or another company. And that's, I guess, a good thing, if you ask me, because you get products that sound different, that perform differently, and that seems desirable, because then 
it means you're more likely to be able to find one that you like. This scenario has been going on and on with in the speaker world. I know oh, yeah. people used to argue about sealed cabinets versus ported cabinets yeah. and open baffle. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. All the different you know, ways to take a dynamic driver and stick it in on something and play it. Yeah. You know, and it's the same deal. People, the base is the biggest difference with well, yeah. these different cabinet designs. That's what when I think of slam, like like a lot of people, they're like. Uh, they don't realize until they're like, oh, I now know what everybody's talking about with Slam. They yeah. never heard a right. lot. Um, and I think the best example always is, is like modern live concerts, you know, mm. when you just got rap, you got thousands and thousands of tens watts. of thousands, yeah, <laughs> tens of thousands yeah. of watts. And it's just truck like, you know, you're just getting nailed in the chest and yeah. it's just like, you can't do that any other way. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, power does solve a lot of problems yeah. when it comes to slam factor you know that's, that's a bit why, of an extreme that's why like that. well if you're going to have like an apple in-ear you know yeah. or whatever any in-ear you know you're not going to get slam out of in-ear i mean because you're well it would need to be more or less dynamic it would need to be uh, some sort of fancy eq doing it like if you theoretically you could get a lot of enhancement to the perceived slam from like a feedback system a feedback yeah, servo. servo drive yeah. and that makes a lot of sense but the trouble is like anything you had a crossover, and there's challenges with the crossover now, right? You had a, a servo feedback system, and you could do the best in the world, but it's still worse than not having it. The trouble is you're using this servo system to overcome challenges that you couldn't overcome another way. So it may make the final product better, and in fact, I would imagine most cases they do this, it does, but that doesn't mean that it's better to have it than not. It's just there's challenges you couldn't fix another way. Yeah, but I still think, like, it's more of a tactile thing, this whole idea of something like, you know, like you got to have enough air moving to tickle the hairs on your ear, so to speak. Like, or the hairs, the hair, or the lining of your ear, whatever. Mm. It's, it's, it's more than just a noise. It's the way the noise is presented on the initial impact. Well, you know yeah, what I mean? Right. It, it's the rate of change. It's the force typically. of yeah. that frequency hitting you. It's not necessarily the frequency itself, and it's not volume. Like, it's not like turning up, sometimes turning up the volume helps, right. obviously, right? But you still can have a lot of volume and still have soft impact, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's kind of like contrast and compared to brightness, like on a video, you know? I guess, yeah. Yeah. Right. Same kind of thing. Yeah, right. And it, by turning one up more than right. the other or vice versa, you, you almost got to adjust both of them to get yeah. it right for this thing to look natural, right? And it's the same with you're trying to set up a speaker system or a headphone to produce slam. Well, you could produce a ton of slam, but then now what? Now, so you've designed a driver that'll move really fast, really quickly at 20 hertz or 50 hertz, but it sucks everywhere else. <laughs> that's so, the trouble, right? Well, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> yeah, because you're, you, you set. Well, that's why people use subwoofers and two channel because right. the subs are made to work below 100 or so. Yes, yeah, just special. That's all they're good at. Just one thing. Yeah, right? and it's really tight for a main speaker. That's very difficult to do. Very, very difficult to do, and it's the same with headphones. We're talking about trying to run a driver full range. It's hard to do proper, all all properly. Right. It's tough to do. So logically, it seems rational. Well, I could just put eight drivers in, and they do that in things like IEMs. Some headphones have multiple drivers, but then there's downsides with that too. So you solve one problem, you create another, and you end up with all these trade offs. And sometimes when you're designing a thing. That's desirable because the end result you're going for, you don't feel could be achieved another way. However, it doesn't mean it's the best approach. It doesn't mean it's the approach that is what everyone else should be doing. It's just the one you happen to choose because of the various parameters that you had a control under. 
or in the case of like a, a rock concert, it's impractical to have a rock concert in your, in your living room. Stacks Very impractical, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just racks and racks. Yeah, speakers everywhere. Well, the neighbors would really be oh, that pissed too, off, yeah. and you'd be deaf. Yeah, and I would say like the studs would loosen in your house over time. Your nails would start mm-hmm. popping out of the drywall. <laughs> I mean, the acoustic pressure involved is crazy. But, but it's a little different there too, even because yeah. in something like that in a live venue, you have very different dimensions, and you have compared to what you would have in a house. Typically, you have very different uh, attenuation in the environment. Well, the outside is like an infinite space. Yeah. Right. So you're going to get this variable you're, attenuation you're depending on the frequency. Infinite space. Yeah, yeah, but you could have an environment that emphasizes slam. Sure. And it's not the power that makes it actually apparent. It just so happens to be in its environment. It's accentuated naturally anyways, and the power and the volume just create more immersive, impressive experience that you can't deliver elsewhere. Yeah. Distance tends to play a part there, too. You stand, yeah. you stand within 50 feet of that 10,000 watts coming at you. You're going to feel right. it. <laughs> and you have the physical impact, too, yeah. on your body, which is going yeah. to exaggerate things a bit. Yeah. Or like 15 feet away, maybe. Yeah, well, that's why all yeah. those old school rock and roll guys are all deaf now. Well, yeah. They're like 10 feet away from them. You know? Well, you go to some of these concerts, it blows my mind, and some people are actually standing they're by standing the right speakers. standing right next to the speakers. I'm yeah. like, geez, Definitely. I couldn't, I couldn't even, I couldn't even handle it in the back. Yeah, right. And these people are just standing there, like taking it in, like it's, like it's, like it's taking they a like shower. They like a lot of slam. Mm. Yeah, that's, what it that's is. a lot of slam. Yeah, you really feel the music. Yeah. Now, see, know? there's nothing we can make in headphones that's going to press those no. people. Mm. <laughs> Not that. Which we should talk about that before we end the video. We should talk about the what your experience level is like we've had i've had some people say oh i don't know which headphone it was one of our headphones oh it doesn't have any slam and i'm thinking mm. headphone has all kinds of slam and then you look at the guy's bio and he's running speaker amps on headphones right he's running right. two three four hundred watt speaker i forgot what it was a big speaker in his bio he listed the amp it was a big amplifier i'm like well well yeah you're not oh that was was he was talking about how you know no headphone amp could have the kind of slam that blah, blah, blah. and it's right. like yeah well I mean, okay, I agree with you, because you're running a 300-watt speaker. <laughs> now, yeah. obviously, at some point, the, something's going to give up the ghost there. It's not going to, that's not a sustainable slam factor. <laughs> you know what mm. I mean? The headphone's going to go uncle, and it's going to stop working one day, and it's going to be good. Uncle? Yeah. Mm. Uh, uncle? Yeah, I'll give up. Yes. Okay. Isn't that how it goes? That was the saying? Yeah. Give up, call uncle. I yeah, I guess that's the thing. I mean, yeah. it is a un- un- essentially unlimited power there. Yeah. But see, that, see, from that guy's standpoint, though, nothing would have slammed to him. Every, right? So in other words, if he was a reviewer, say he mm. went on YouTube, and he's going to review headphones now because he always wanted to do that. Everything sucks, right? Well, yeah, because <laughs> well, <it's laughs> you're misleading. comparing it to... <laughs> Some unique system you came up with to play yeah. that you know that that really doesn't it's not out there you know and it's it's kind of like it's the same with cars and speed and automobiles it's the same kind of thing you know you're same thing yeah some people think of Miata's fast yeah others don't it's relative well it is some people call street cars that are actually track cars you know you know right. it's a like trailer to the strip oh but it's a street, street car, car. It's like, right. yeah I don't yeah. know about that. It's like you didn't drive it here, so. Yeah, I, that's think right. I think certain police officers would differ in their opinion. When they, Depends well, on where you live. That's true. <laughs> that's true. You can get away with a lot in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They don't care. <laughs> They're probably buddies. Could sure. be. Yeah. Well, a lot of these things are actually legal. They pass inspections. Some of these things you see at, like, um, these events where people take streetcars that have to be road illegal. And, you know, you drive around the country or whatever, various tracks, and you, yeah. mm-hmm. you run a quarter mile or whatever. Some of these cars are legitimately, apparently, street legal in wherever they came from, Nebraska or something. I don't yeah. know. 
A lot of those guys still do get pulled over. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they you do. make it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Not here in New York. You ain't going to get away with much, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not as bad as Better have your front license plate on here. Oh, yeah. yeah, they do yeah. get a little picky it's about the front license plate. All kinds of problems plate. with license plates. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But they're not worried about slam so much. Yeah. You get a no. lot of slam in your car audio yeah. system. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? I have found that uh, my Jeep's exhaust system, that 392 mm. now has good slam. Good slam. Yeah. 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 They did a good job of it. I've been listening to other trucks like the Raptor came out Heavy with a V. And I was there, yeah. Mm. And the exhaust suck on no it. No slam. Mm. Yeah, no slam. Yeah, it is surprisingly good. Dodge did a great job at that thing. On the Jeep. Yeah. Better than all their other vehicles, really. Yeah. I mean, someone's got some some good SolidWorks acoustic modeling software yeah. going on there. But better yet, they're subjectively tuning it, for sure. Well, well you see how big the yeah. exhaust is on that thing? Huge muffler. Well, With helps. exhaust, yeah. usually subjective is kind of the number one priority. I kind of noticed that on some of these trucks. Like they have re- it seems like there's almost the exhaust is a resonator, yeah. too. You know, yeah. like to change. Like I saw someone changed out their exhaust to a, a another version, yeah. like stock, not other stock. It's not like shit. Yeah, I, it I went higher up in pitch. Yeah, it's like that's not better yeah, than the stock. Yeah, I saw like two <laughs> or three people with aftermarket exhaust on yeah. the three ninety two, and they're not better than the, no, the stock one. No, some so, guys will say they are. Yeah. Like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, because well, you spent three grand on it. it sucks right. Though. What they do is they either didn't have the car or they didn't have a lot of time with the car, and they just make a bent pipe configuration that is from their experience good for flow or whatever yeah. and on a V8. that was it right they didn't put the time in that the actual oem did to design the exhaust they might have done a dozen a hundred different configurations and computer modeling and all that but when you when you listen to the exhaust is that actually the pistons you're hearing it's the well, sound of the pistons pushing air. It's the dinosaur yeah. screaming. So do more modern pistons sound different than the old pistons? You're not listening to the pistons. <laughs> you better not be. That means you got oh, a problem. Isn't that what's making the noise? Well, the explosions <laughs> are making the noise. Oh, okay, well, that's it. Then. <laughs> so it's that whole combination of the piston, the area, the valves, how many valves there are, right? Well, that, that all it, makes that, noise. How it creates the explosion I'm is I'm not sure somebody put a lot of effort into this. See, I think now it's more we're of a try somewhere. and see. Yeah. People probably just kind of like do stuff. And then see what it does on that one, probably. Mm. I know. But actually, I never really thought about the source of the sound is the gas exploding in the chamber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dinosaurs. Yeah. So They yeah. scream. Yeah. yeah. They're going, ah. Yeah, that's true. On that note, we better we better move on because we're obviously boring the living crap out mm. of people. Or are we? I don't know. Maybe this is thrilling. Yeah, could be. Mm. I don't know. I'm thrilled. I, we are totally thrilled. People <laughs> should let us know if they're thrilled. Our ghost buddy hasn't moved, so he doesn't care. It hasn't affected him He's at all. He's scary. Yeah. I'm terrified. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. He's... He's a That's lightweight. Not nice. He doesn't like that. He doesn't weigh a lot. We How got you him. Know? You picked him up. <laughs> he has mass. Please subscribe. Thumbs us up. We got good stuff coming. Don't miss it. Thanks. <laughs>